just pray that God would manifest his grace and mercy and power, that he would manifest his spirit to minister to us here and in this building and online and wherever it is that you are today. Father, we love you today. We thank you today that you inhabit all space and time, Father, that you are there right with us. You are sitting right next to us, O oh God. You are in this place. You are in that place, O oh God. You are, you are wherever we are, Lord Jesus, and we need you, Father, not just to be there, but we need you to manifest your power and your glory. We need to man- hear, feel your presence uh, being manifest all around us, Lord, as your word is spoken. As your word is ministered and taught and preached, and uh, Lord Jesus, as impartation comes forth today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, uh, every soul, every heart, every individual, O oh God, that is within the sound of my voice, uh, and those that might not be within the sound of my voice, there are those in hospitals, O oh God, uh, that are suffering right now, Lord Jesus. They need to feel your presence, uh, Lord, laying in that hospital bed, O oh God, that they, there would be a visitation. Uh, Lord, we speak it. That there would be a visitation, uh, oh God, of healing and deliverance, oh God, uh, not only in the hospitals, but we need healing and deliverance in our mind, in our spirit today. Uh, Lord, we need you today. We need you today more than we needed you yesterday. Uh, Lord Jesus, we need you today. We need your presence and power to be manifest. Uh, We need you, God. We need you, God. We love you, Lord. We love you. Uh, We want you to know that we love you, Jesus, and we thank you, Father, uh, for every breath that we breathe today, O oh God, for every uh, thought that has come into our mind, that, that, that our thoughts that come into the obedience of your spirit today, Lord, enter into our hearts and minds, uh, Lord, and have your way among us today. Uh, we want your will to be done, O oh God, today, your will to be done, not our will, but your will today, Father, in the name of Jesus, 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 name of Jesus. We honor you. We bless you, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify you. We lift you up, Jesus. Uh, Your name is above every name. Your name is above the name of cancer. Your name is above the name of COVID. Uh, Your name is above the name, oh God, uh, of every disease that could be named, oh God, in this world today. Every malady, every every situation and circumstance that we might find ourselves in. Uh, You are the great deliverer today, Father. And we need your delivering hand in this place and all around this world and those that are listening online. Lord, they need something in their lives today, God. And the greatness and the power of your glory and your mercy is that, God, that you know exactly what each one of us is going through. You know exactly what it is that we need today. And, Father, you're able to minister to that need, oh, God, whether we know what it is or not, whether we can even mention it or not. Lord, you're as close as the mention of your name today. If we would just speak your name, oh God, and trust that you're going to be there for us, oh God, you'll be there, Lord, where two or three are gathered together in your name. We are gathered together here and online today, Father. We are gathered together for the purpose of visiting you, Father, and having you to visit us today, Father, by your grace and mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, how great is our God, how great is His name, He's the greatest one, He's forever the same. When we roll back the waters of the mighty Red Sea, 
Then he said, I want to lead you, so put your trust in me. Come on. Well, how great is our God? It's not a question. How great is? He is great. He is wonderful. He's the greatest one. And he's forever the same. Oh, he rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea. He can do it today. And he said, I want to lead you, so put your trust in me. He wants to lead us. How great is our God. How great is his name. He's the greatest one. He's forever the same. When he rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea, and he said, I want to lead you, so put your trust in me. Let's put our trust in him today. Let's put our trust in him today, Father. Uh, we put our complete trust in everything that we are and everything that we have. Uh, oh, everything that you've given us and everything we don't have. Uh, we put our trust in you today, Father. You are the giver and keeper of all life, oh God. Uh, there's nothing that you can't do, oh God. There's nothing today uh, that you cannot do in our lives today. If we'll get out of the way and let you have your way, today in Jesus name Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name you can be seated this morning I want to greet everyone online that's listening today God is a is a God that's not limited we talked about this on Wednesday he's not limited by space time or internet connectivity amen and so he is where you are if you're listening online or on the ra- on your phone or whatever God is right there where you are. He's in your car. He's at, he's where, if you're at work, he's there, he's there at work with you. If you're at home, he's there. He, you don't have to be here to have God's presence in this building. God's presence is right where you are today. Amen. And we were singing that song about the mighty Red Sea. And if you think about that man that God used to do that, that was just a man that God used. Had he ever parted a Red Sea before? Not in any way, shape, manner, or form. Matter of fact, he had never led a people out of millions of people out of a out of a city out of bondage. He had never done any of those things that he had done before. Matter of fact, when when God let him see that bush, he had never seen a bush burn before, and he had never talked to the the God of all glory before. He had never done that before. And and when when God said he was going to be the deliverer, he tried to talk God out of it. And basically what he said was, I've never done this before. This is impossible. Anybody ever said that? This is impossible. But, you know, that's what God does. He takes people who he knows are willing to just do what he's asking them to do, and he gives them a task to do, and he, he even lets them say, God, this is impossible. And then, so that he can say, I know. <laughs> with you, it is impossible. But with me, 
Nothing's impossible. If I'm sending you to do it, it's going to happen. So just go do it. Amen. What is God calling us to do today? You know, we read those stories, and that was yes, that was a long time ago. We hear these stories about all these these miraculous things that happened, and you know, the missionary that we we heard about up in uh, in Eau Claire a couple of years ago that that they still have the shirt where he got shot with the bullets, and the, but there was not a one hole in his body where those those Muslim guys shot into his building where he was having church. And the little girl with the Bible that just stood there and held that Bible out and said, in Jesus' name, and that guy just dropped his gun and ran. I want to tell stories like that, don't you? I want him to use me like that. You know, those old stories are good, but I want some fresh stuff. God is still able to work right here in La Crosse, Wisconsin, in Calvary Apostolic Church. Amen. Don't you want to see a healing right here? Don't you want to see somebody's limb grow on that wasn't there before right here in this building? I do. <laughs> maybe not here. Maybe let's, let's see if God can do that in the mall. Sure he can. Amen. Amen. These signs follow them that what? Believe. Who is them? It's everybody. Anybody that believes, anybody that comes into this knowledge of this truth. That's not what I'm here to teach about. <laughs> I just, the Lord, I don't know, I just wanted to get on a rant there for a minute singing that song, thinking about, man, that's just amazing when you think about it. People try to argue and say, oh, that, they didn't part the Red Sea. That was some natural happenstance that just happened at that particular time in, in world history. You know it was. <laughs> I've had people try to argue with me. No, 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 no. You go to that Red Sea now and you take some scuba gear and you go down there and you do some diving. I don't have to. I got a PowerPoint with pictures that somebody sent me. They got the wheels of the chariots are still down there. And they found bones of human beings that would have been from that exact time. Still down there encrusted with all that stuff and the fish are living around them. So God left something there to... That let us know that that really happened. It's not a story in a book. Not a Hollywood movie. Right? Charlton Heston made it look great, but God really did that. He really did do that. And if he can take a whole enemy out like that, he can take your enemies out of your life. Right? Hallelujah. We're going to talk this week, this month, about the gift of God, and I hadn't intended on this title, but it just kind of fits with the month of December, doesn't it? Because we all start talking about gifts about this time of year, like like it just it comes along the same time every year. <laughs> People get all stressed out and freaked out about Christmas. Oh, I gotta go buy gifts. You've had all year. And so we're going to talk about gifts, the gift of God. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. I'm just going to say that. Amen. And so we're going to jump right into this, and this is going to be the first week. We're going to kind of build some uh, some foundation and talk about one of the four things that we're going to talk about this month. But uh, let's go ahead and get into this scripture in, in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. You don't have to stand unless you want to. First Timothy. Excuse me, 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. By the will of God. He didn't make himself an apostle. He wasn't self-appointed. Paul was an apostle by the will of God. According to the, the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers in pure, with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have, have in remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. He's, in, he's writing a letter to Timothy, okay? He's sitting in prison, probably. That's the only time he was sitting still long enough to write letters. So Paul is in prison. He's writing this letter to Timothy, who was his, his protege. He was mentoring Timothy, okay? And so he, he talks about, he's remembering some things. He's sitting there in his jail cell, and he's remembering some things of the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which... Well, first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. Now, I'm, now Timothy, I'm going to remind you of some things that we've talked about before. Because you, you have to understand, he's been mentoring Timothy. And so he's, he's kind of going over in his mind because some things are getting ready to happen in Timothy's life. And so he's writing these letters to encourage Timothy because some great things... God is getting ready to use Timothy in some great and mighty ways. And so he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Everybody say the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Father, thank you for this opportunity to teach your people today, to minister. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would cause these lips to speak the words that you would have me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we, like Timothy, have we have to have our eyes opened to our need for the gospel in our lives, did we not? Every one of us. Whether we were raised in church or not, we had to have our eyes open. And so Timothy represents the lives of every individual that has ever experienced this new birth. And so, and by extension, Paul is not, he is writing this initially. He wrote this letter to Timothy, but under the unction of the Holy Ghost, he wrote this and it became a part of this Bible that we read today because this was the anointed word of God that he was giving not only to Timothy for that day, but to us in the future. And so this does apply to us today. Amen. And so we, we had to make a choice when it came to, to the place where we had, we had heard the gospel preached and we had, we had uh, considered some things in our mind and we, we kind of went over all of the, the do's and the don'ts and the, and the good and the bad of it all and we, we made a decision that we were going to stand up and walk up to an altar and receive His Spirit. We had gone through some, some time of repentance, and we, we may have had some Bible studies from somebody, but 
But ultimately, we made that decision, that same decision that Timothy had to make. You know, we tend to think that Timothy or Paul or any of those whose names received honorable mention in the Bible, as we think of them as somehow special. Like they're, they're way up there and we're way down here. But they were not any more special than we are. They, they were no different than we were. They still had a life to live every day. And the, the Spirit chose, you know, God's Spirit chooses who He will. Right? If it wasn't Paul, it would have been some other Pharisee. Right? But God chose Paul. And God chose Timothy. And so God chooses to do things as He sees fit. And so the Spirit chose to have Paul write to Timothy the words that he wrote so that we would have those words today as an example. Isn't God awesome? He knew we would need this. Our our name might not be Timothy today, but you can take Timothy's name out of there and you can insert your own name. You can use this Scripture to encourage yourself Because ultimately, God is calling each one of us to something greater than ourselves. That's what was going on with Timothy. And so this month, we're going to focus on these seven verses. And and I felt the Lord really strongly impress upon me uh, a few weeks ago to to really to kind of just stick on to these seven verses. Um, And so that's what I really, and just as I started to, to write some things down, it just started to just come out of me. And so I just kept writing and and so I felt like God was really giving this to me. So uh, this is from him. It's from his word. I'm just the vessel that's, that's teaching it today, okay? And so we're going to focus on these things, and we're, um, we're going to talk about four things that are mentioned in reference to this awesome gift that Timothy was given and that each of us was given. We've been given that gift that he's talking about here, Okay? So here we go. If you are if you're already asking what that gift is, just hang on. We're going to get to that. If you figured it out already, don't say it out loud yet. I know there's some people online screaming, "I know the name. I know the answer." Don't say anything yet. Don't type it on Facebook. Just hold on. And so 2 Timothy 1:5 in the amplified says, "I remember your sincere and unqualified faith the surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ with confident trust in His power, wisdom, and goodness of faith, which first lived in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am confident that it is in you as well. So was it hereditary, this faith that Paul's talking about, that his grandmother and his mother had? Was it just something that just he was born with? Because his grandmother and his mother had it, and so it just kind of came through blood? No, it wasn't. Timothy was not guaranteed to have that same saving faith just because of, of the heritage of his mother and grandmother. We think that sometimes today, that, well, my grandmother was in Pentecost, and my mother was in Pentecost, and it's just kind of automatic that I'm going to... Well, it's not. Because your grandmother made a decision back in that day, to serve God. And they, they had a whole different set of circumstances to deal with back in the day than you do today. And so they had to make a decision. And your mother couldn't just just ride in on your grandmother's coattails, right? If that's if that's the case. I know my family wasn't in Pentecost, and, 
And I could have just followed in the footsteps of my mother and grandmother, but I didn't. God had a better thing for me. So I broke away from that. And so my sons weren't guaranteed, and my daughters-in-law and my grandkids aren't guaranteed to live for God. they got their own choices and decisions to make. Right? So Timothy had the same decision. He had the same opportunities to, to serve God or not to serve God. Demas, we read about in the New Testament, having loved this present world, he was a believer. He was a believer. And he apparently was somebody in, in Paul's circle of people because Paul talks about him. And he said he left, having loved this present world. So, you know, you just read into that what you want. Okay, but I know what I read into that, and it's, I think it's there. None of us is guaranteed. I mean, I got to, you know, Demas one day decided, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And so Timothy was in the same place. So in Romans 12 and 3 it says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I think Paul's talking from experience. He is. Paul was a kind of a haughty, kind of a uppity, thought he was all that in a bag of chips kind of guy, wasn't he? Because he was a Pharisee and he was he was going to be the top dude. He was shooting for he was going for for broke. He was going for the highest office he could get in that in that religious group right there, right? And so what happened to Paul? He got humbled. And God said, you're going to do this my way. And you're going, to, you're going to have a humble spirit. I know this is not in the Word of God, but this is what he told him. This is what I believe he told him. He said, you're going to do this with a humble spirit. You know, we talked about Wednesday about there was, God was probably having a conversation with Paul while he was sitting there blind for three days. And he was talking to him about some stuff. And he's, he was telling Paul, you can't do this your way. You can't do this with the same... I understand you got zeal, and I understand you got all this knowledge, and I understand you got all this wisdom, but you can't do it with all that, Paul. You're going to do it my way. And so that's what Paul, I believe by extension, that's what Paul was doing with Timothy. He was passing all of that on to Timothy. Because Paul was about to be taken out of this world, wasn't he? And so uh, we go on here, it says, To every man that is among you, everybody, He's saying this to everybody, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Not a measure of faith, the measure of faith. Romans 12:3 in the Amplified says, For by grace, the grace of God, grace comes from God, doesn't it? Given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has apportioned to each a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service. That's awesome. He has a purpose designed for us for our service for him. And he's given us the the measure of faith that we need to accomplish what it is that he needs us to accomplish. He gave Moses that measure of faith that he needed. He gave Paul that measure of faith. I mean, you look at the life of Paul. He went through some hell on earth. Literally. 
Jameson Fawcett and Brown says, the commentary says, as God hath given to each his particular capacity to take in the gifts and graces which he, God, designs for the general good. So he's given, God hath given each of us his particular capacity. He knows what we're capable of because he's put it, the capacity in us to accomplish it. We just have to exercise that measure of faith that we've been given and just trust that God knows what he's doing, even if it doesn't make any sense at all what he's asking us to do. He's not asking us to go free a million people. but He might just be asking us to go free one person, to pray for one person that the blinders would come off. Just one. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, how many... Did Jesus win the multitudes? No. He preached to the multitudes. But it always seemed to come down to one. The woman at the well. The woman with the issue of blood. The woman that was caught in the act of adultery. I don't mean to keep mentioning all the women, but, you know, there was others, you know, blind Bartimaeus. There was others that, you know, the... The, the centurion with his servant that was sick. He always took it down to an individual level, right? So, yeah, we've got to preach to the multitudes, but ultimately it's going to be one individual that God's going to lead us to. So it's kind of thought by historians and, and, and other people that have written about Timothy that he was a little bit timid, had a bit of a timid nature as a human being in his humanity, right? And so it's possibly that maybe he was just more of a meek kind of a spirit. You ever met somebody like that, kind of a meek and quiet spirit type of a person? You, you almost think they're a little backwards or timid, but they're just meek. They're just very careful about what they say and when they say it. There's nothing wrong with that. And so as his mentor and teacher, Paul was writing this letter to his protege, and it, it appears that Timothy was in the process of being released into some type of leadership and was being encouraged by his mentor as he stepped into that role, that maybe he had not been done. He had not, Paul, Timothy had not done this previously. Whatever it was, he was beginning, becoming an elder or whatever it was, and they were having this ceremony where they, or it says that, they, that Paul laid his hands on him, and that the, it, if you read about it, kind of the backstory, all the elders in that church in Ephesus all came around him. You know, we've seen that in services where, where somebody gets, whether they're being ordained in the ministry or whether they're just, you know, a missionary going into the field or somebody that's leaving here like, like, like the, uh, <clears throat> the family that just left here, the lambs. We're laying our hands on them. We're praying God go with them as they go wherever it is they're going, right? And so that's what they were doing with Timothy. And so Paul didn't give Timothy every, anything, did he? That he, cause he talked about in that scripture how, Timothy received this gift by the laying on of, he said, of my hands. But all he was doing was operating in faith. He was putting Timothy in the hands of God. Right? And so it's possible that maybe, I think maybe that it's possible that maybe Paul might have seen a little bit of himself in Timothy. Right? Because Paul, when he first got into this, he, nobody wanted anything to do with him. So he he almost got a little reticent, a little hesitant to do anything because it seemed like everywhere he went, everybody just wanted to throw up a guard like, that's that guy. They didn't realize that God had done a change in his life. And so 
Paul was encouraging Timothy as he was beginning to step into this role that he was stepping into that you've got what it takes, son. You've got the Holy Ghost. You've got the power of God dwelling in you. Don't worry about this. Yes, I know it's new. Anybody ever done anything that they've never done before for the first time? I guarantee you the first time you became a sergeant major, you had never been a sergeant major. Right? And it was a new thing. I'll never forget the boss that I had in Louisville in a job, and he wanted me to make me a manager. And his manager said, I don't know. He's never been a manager before. This is how the conversation went. And so my boss, being the wise man that he was, said to his boss, he said, do you remember? His boss's name was Paul. <laughs> he said, do you remember the first time you ever became a manager? And on the other end of the phone, Paul said, uh, yeah. And then there was this pause, and he said, okay, Ron, go ahead. Because he was trying to get across to him. We've all got to... We all got to get to that place some point. We, we've all got to be given that responsibility that we've never had before. Right? And a boss has to trust, just like to Paul and Timothy. Paul was trusting that everything that he had put into Timothy was, was going to cause him. I mean, Jesus did it with the disciples. I mean, he put everything he could into them. And honestly, I don't know if they were still ready. <laughs> And I'm not sure they were still 100% ready. And none of us were, were we? We weren't. But we launched into that, whatever it was, and we just figured it out. Right? And, and the boss knew that we were new at that. And so when we run into areas where we weren't sure what to do, he was there to say, hey, just you're all right. Just keep going. You're making, that's good. You're making a good, oh, okay. Just, they would kind of steer us, right, and get us on the right path. And then sooner or later, we'd start, you know, they could take the training wheels off and we could ride that bike on our own, right? Right? Rare is the kid that can get on a bicycle first time and without training wheels, right? There's a few of them out there. We had to have training wheels because I just, you know, my mom didn't have enough Band-Aids. And, so, and there was five of us, so, so Timothy is stepping into this role. And 2 Timothy 1 and 6 says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance. I'm trying to remind you of some things. Sometimes even at my job now, my boss has to, because he's throwing some things at me that I've never done before. And he just gently reminds me about some stuff sometimes. And I go, oh, okay, thank you. He's not going to step in and just take the reins and do it for me. But he, he wants me to learn. So he's throwing... Keeps throwing more things at me, and I, I I learn and I figure it out. He knows I will. He trusts I will. So he just gives me a little enough to get me going, and that's what Paul I believe is doing here. And he says, "Wherefore I put thee in remembrance to that thou stir up the gift of God." There's that gift of God again, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul and the body of elders that they had, they had imparted something on him. They had they had imparted their trust in him. Right? It's a good feeling when you when you take over a position like that and the people underneath of you put a trust in you. This he's going to be a good boss. Right? They put a trust in you and they that helps you. That really helps you kind of say, okay, all right God, I, you know, it's important to have that that feeling of trust from the people. 
Right? And so I believe that's what was happening here. And so the gift was conferred by God, but they laid the hands on him and, and they entrusted him. Just like a, uh, when an officer in the military, when a, when a person becomes an officer in the mil- military or, or when you get a promotion, what is that, what is that word they repose special trust and confidence in filling the name to fulfill this role as a, an E6 or an E7 or a colonel or a major or whatever it is? And they have a big ceremony, and they read this out loud in front of everybody. Because that colonel or whoever's doing that wants everybody to know that this person's getting promoted, and we are reposing, we're given special, we we trust that this individual knows what they're doing. And if they don't, they'll figure it out. So Paul and the elders were reposing special trust and confidence in Timothy. Amen? What an awesome feeling. I'll never forget those promotions. That's just like you're the center stage, right? And so we're doing pretty good on time. What's that? <laughs> well, <laughs> so it sounds as though Paul had discussed this with Timothy before, because he says, "I want to bring to your remembrance." So let, let, let me remind you of some. He's writing this letter. He's sitting in prison. He's thinking about maybe he's, because he and Timothy got really close as a mentor-mentee relationship. They got really close. And so Paul's knowing that he's leaving, and he's leaving things in the hands of Timothy. And so he's trying to pour his heart out in this letter to Timothy to help Timothy in every way possible to encourage him to say, Timothy, you're going to do great. And so he's reminding him of, of some things. And, and maybe during their times of interaction when he was uh, being mentored, Paul said some things. You know, you, you look at the life of Paul. As he's mentoring Timothy, maybe he's going through all of this stuff where he's shipwrecked, where, where he's writing those letters that say things like, uh, though all these things happen to me, I count it as dung. And, and though I have all these gifts, I, you know, and, and all these the, the, the terrible things that Paul went through, the stonings and, and all the being chased around and, and, and all the things that happened to, to Paul was all part of his ministry. Every trial, every test, every difficulty, every person that lied about him and spoke evil of him. All those things, the Jews were coming at. How, how would you feel? This is kind of how David felt, like he had nowhere to run. And so this man, Paul, is encouraging Timothy. He's really saying, Timothy, I went through some stuff. You, you know, you remember this, and you remember when I went through that. And, and he knows. Paul knows that Timothy's getting ready to go through some stuff. Why? Who is Timothy going to be leading? People. Are people always nice? Not necessarily. There probably was somebody there that didn't like the fact that Timothy was being put in charge. They thought they should be put in charge. You think that's not true? It doesn't say it in there, but I know human nature. Right? Well, why is he being put in charge? How come I'm one of the elders? How come they didn't pick me? Anybody know anybody like that? They're around today. But God's in control. God knows who he needs to. God sets one up and sets another one down, doesn't he? And we just got to do it God's way. 
Because if we do it our way, it's not going to work. It's going to flop. It's going to fall. It's going to just, it's going to hit the ground. Right? So that scripture there, it says, when he's talking to Timothy, he calls it the gift as if it's a singular thing. I know that's a small thing, but it's, it's a singular word. It didn't say gifts. It said gift. And so Paul was encouraging Timothy that that gift that was given to him from God came with God's power, dominion, and authority. I know there's people online shouting, I know what it is, I know what it is. So I believe that that gift that Paul was making reference to in his letter to Timothy was God's grace. God's grace. Let's see what the scripture says about it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 13. Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles... If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore a few, in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in the other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now, revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Thank you. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He's pulling the Gentiles in. Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of My power. No, his power. Next verse. Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Talk about humility. Is this grace given? That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. What an awesome privilege he's saying. That I was given the grace to do this. Next verse. And to make all men... See what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, which is who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church this manifold wisdom of God. Is that verse 11? According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus. God's eternal purpose. Next verse. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not in my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Amen? So right there Paul's talking about the fact that he is who he is and, and doing what he's doing is by simply because of the the grace of God. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That grace is that, that word grace there, it means kindness and love and mercy. God's grace, God's kindness and love and mercy 
that bringeth salvation to all, hath appeared to all men. That word appeared there is the word epiphano. Epiphano, which is probably where we get the word epiphany. And it means, oh, uh, it's two words, epi, which is over, upon, or to, and phino, which is to shine, which, so that, that word appear means that it, it means to shine upon or shined upon. So that, the mercy and grace of God that brings salvation on all men had, it shined upon them. More than likely we're, we get the English word epiphany from that and, an epiphany is a sudden or intuitive perceptive perception. In layman's terms, it's a, it is a moment of revelation of darkness being removed and light penetrating. Anybody ever heard the word, he had an epiphany? He had an aha moment, the light came on, right? And that's what happened. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God that which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I think that I like this verse as a good definition of grace. That word worketh there means it's the word energeo, probably from where we get the word energy, right? And it means in work, operative, active, to be at work, to be effective, operative. Wow, what the grace of God in us is what makes us operative for him. And so that's, I believe, what Timothy had received, that gift that Paul was talking about. That singular gift was the gift of grace, because without that gift of grace, without that empowerment, what did you call the definition of grace? Divine influence, right? God's divine influence. We can't do it, Sister Linda. I don't have it in, in me to do some of the things that God's going to ask me to do, just like Moses. But I, he, he will give me, he will empower me to do it. If he asks you, if he sends you, someone once said, he will equip you. Right? If he sends somebody to the mission field, he will equip them to go there and learn that language and do what they got to do to do what he's called them there to do. And I, a definition that I came up with, uh, for grace is the empowerment of God that enables me to do what I cannot do myself. Actually, someone else might have said this, but it, I thought it was good and I wrote it down. The empowerment of God that enables me to do what I cannot do myself. Grace is active, not passive. Right? So it is by His grace and not by our flesh or our righteousness that His Spirit is made operative in us. Nothing we do. We're just obeying Him. Paul was telling Timothy that all he had to do, all he needed to do was to fulfill that calling and that responsibility that he was getting ready to, to be, that was being hoisted upon him was, was trust in the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Paul, Timothy, you've got everything you need in the power of the Holy Ghost that's in you. You've got this. Not by yourself, but God is with you. Just like God was with me. God's going to be with you, Timothy, as, as this mantle passes from me to you. God is God's grace, God's power, God's authority, and God's anointing is going to be upon you, Timothy. And he's going to give you the ability to do the things that you can't do. And real quick here, uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about is the spirit of fear. Because what did Paul say? God had not given us the spirit of fear, right? 
a spirit of fear. And he, and he said, for God had not given us. It wasn't just him and Timothy that he was talking about. God's not given us the spirit of fear. God, if you have the spirit of fear, it's not from God. Can I say it that way? That fear is timidity, cowardice. That word fear there is timidity and cowardice, reticence, fearfulness. Amen? First Timothy 1.6 says, and Jamison Fawcett Brown says, the gift of God is the spiritual grace received for his ministerial office, either at his original ordination or at his consecration to the particular office of superintending the Ephesian church. So basically God imparted fearlessness into him when they laid their hands on him. I want that kind of fearlessness, don't you? I want that kind of of faith and fearlessness that says, God, whatever you tell me to do, even if it doesn't make sense, I'm going to go do it because something great's going to happen if I'll just obey God. Amen? Psalms 118, verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I'm bringing this to a close. I will not fear what man can do unto me. See, there was the problem. Paul knew that Timothy was going to be facing some... The devils that he was going to be facing was going to be working through human beings. And Paul knew that. All of Paul's problems as a minister was what? People. People that didn't like him. People that wanted to kill him. And so human nature doesn't change. And Paul knew that Timothy was going to face some stuff taking over the church. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Verse 6, so that... We may boldly say, we, I want that kind of boldness. The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear. That word fear is that word phobio. Phobia. What man shall do unto me. Amen? We're living in a day and age right now where people are just losing their ever-loving minds. Right? They are. And it's almost a fearful thing, you know, especially if you live in a big city where they're doing these protests and everything. It's almost a fearful thing to even go down the street to the store. Because we fear what man's going to do to us. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get, you know, somebody throwing a Molotov cocktail at me. But God's going to, what if, what if God sends you into that? What are you going to do? You're going to trust God or you're going to trust the arm of flesh? Amen. So we're going to talk about the other three things that Paul talked about. He, 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 he started that with God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but then he went on to three other things that he encouraged Timothy. You're going to, you got everything you need, Timothy. Just, just trust in God. Father, we love you today. We thank you for this opportunity to be before your people today. I pray that something that I've said has stuck in the mind of somebody, Lord, that it has encouraged them, lifted them up, caused them to consider their walk and their way, Lord Jesus, that you would lead and guide and direct their mind, their heart, their steps today, Lord Jesus. Have your way in the remainder of this service. We thank you for this opportunity today. In Jesus' name.